ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Three Under Par podcast. This is a golf podcast where little white ball is life. I'm your host, Scotty T, and we got a really good special episode coming your way today. Hope everybody's having a great Memorial Day, Memorial Day weekend. For this episode, we were joined by Dougie Barnard. He's a YouTube golfer. We've had some YouTube golfers on in the past with the Bogey Brothers, and now we have Dougie coming on as a guest. And this is a really different and unique episode for us. And we've had some great guests here in the past month or so. If you go back and listen to our episode with Webb Simpson's caddy, Paul Tesori, that's a phenomenal one. We had PGA Tour player, our first PGA Tour player, Chris Stroud, on the podcast. And then we had uh, the host of Golf Curious, Lisa Marie. So go check out those episodes wherever you find your podcasts or on YouTube as well. And for Dougie, though, YouTube golf is a different space. YouTube is a new platform that we are on on 3 Under Par. And then he talks about just creating golf content. Uh, the past have been more interviews. I would say this is definitely more of a conversation. It's the first time that I've talked with Dougie. And we had a blast. Really, we talked for about an hour, uh, just under an hour, and just about the direction of golf content, what works what doesn't work uh, what people like don't like or what direction we think it's going to go in on the future not only for youtube golf but then podcast golf as well it's a really fascinating conversation and especially for those if you're interested in maybe potentially taking that step to creating some good golf content so we hope you enjoy this episode before we dive into it follow us on social media at three on a par pod that is the number three three on a par pod on twitter and Instagram. If you're watching here on YouTube, glad you're here. One of our goals at Three and Apart is to create more YouTube videos of us either playing golf, trick shots, anything in between. If you got some ideas, leave that in the comment section below. Comment below also on what you think of this interview and give this video a like. Uh, we're just starting off on our YouTube channel, so we want to get some momentum to hopefully bring you some more good golf content. Also, go check out Dougie's channel. Dougie is a phenomenal YouTube golfer. Uh, the goal for any person starting off is to get to that 1,000 subscribers. He's halfway there, so I would encourage you to go check out his channel. Click that subscribe button because he is very creative and very good at creating good golf content for viewers out there. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or where you find your podcast go ahead and click that subscribe button as well leave a five star review and then write a review on what you think about the show what you like about the show just a few minutes because we love our listenership we're slowly growing we've been doing this podcast for about a year and a half now and we're starting to gain some momentum i really truly believe that and feel that and we're going to keep bringing it every single time for you the audience so we hope that the show continued to grow one of the ways that we can do this, though, is traditional just word of mouth. Tell a friend about 3 Under Par, about the podcast, about our YouTube channel, because uh, we appreciate you. We really do, and we love hearing from you. That's why we encourage you to reach out to us on social media, because one of our segments we like to do on the podcast is Outside the Ropes, where we take your questions, your scenarios, play it through and then also we're always looking to get better so we can't thank you enough we appreciate you hope you enjoy this interview with dougie it's a blast and remember little white ball is life okay we are joined now by a very special guest dougie barnard uh youtube golfer extraordinaire uh dougie thanks for coming on the show 
Hey, I appreciate you inviting me out. I'm always happy to join here and just an overcast day here in Atlanta. So would love for nothing more than just to sit down and talk about golf. Absolutely. You know, we say here that little white ball is life. So we are uh, anybody who just want, we love had, we just love talking golf and uh, there's a lot going on with the whole coronavirus situation that's going on. And just even on our personal golf stories as well, it's, there's always, even with the sports world stuff, there's always golf to talk about, which is pretty fun. Always. I mean, they can't stop golf. (laughs) <laughs> exactly well dougie uh for our audience here uh well first off youtube golfers so we're a little bit yeah. newer into the youtube game uh how long have you been in the youtube golf game and what exactly is golf on youtube look like yeah so i started my youtube golf channel in july of last year so i mean coming up this summer on one year before the golf channel i had a fitness account so I was on golf, you know, I was on YouTube a little bit learning the ropes and then decided to shift away from lifting weights and doing a bunch of bicep curls into hitting the little <laughs> white ball. So now I'm kind of, right. but at least I had some background skills that I could, I, I kind of knew the platform and could leverage a little bit of the basics. It made it easier to go into the golf space, having that background on YouTube. And then as far as what it looks like, I mean, I kind of just uh, see content when I'm on the course. I just see content i'm thinking about video ideas and i'm pretty much always recording i mean sometimes i'll just you know it's not suitable to be recording while i'm out there but it's pretty much i mean i kind of tend close to the the belief that i'm always keeping the camera rolling in case someone holds out like i want to have that on on footage if someone holds out that's kind of served me pretty well just to be able to catch a bunch of awesome moments on camera no doubt. Yeah, we're, like I mentioned, we're a little bit newer in the YouTube game. We've been doing our podcast for about a year and a half now and just started recording the podcast and wanted to put them up on YouTube. And then I'm finding out about this entire golf community that's on oh, YouTube. Yeah. It's a pretty fun, really interactive. It seems like everybody's also really supportive of each other. And I think that is just fantastic as well. So even kind of going back there, Dougie, uh, what sparked your passion for golf? Uh, Cause I see at least on your profile, you played some college tennis. So how does a yes. tennis player get into golf? Yeah. I mean, growing up, I loved golf and tennis at a, like an early age, went to the driver range, my dad and just like loved golf right away. Grew up in the Midwest. And so that kind of limits your golf season just from the get go being from Indiana. But um, yeah, whenever, you know, the summertime came around, I was always trying to get out to the golf course but tennis was kind of my sport. So once I specialized in tennis, I kind of dropped the other sports, never played competitive golf. I played like, you know, other sports growing up, junior league sports, but um, golf was just always something that I wanted to do the first chance that I had like free time period, but being such a regimented, you know, growing up, like competing in athletics, I was always like, my schedule was always maxed out with tennis tournaments, tennis training, you know, school, obviously, and all that stuff. And right. so I didn't have a ton of time for golf growing up and then playing tennis through high school and college. It was like golf was whatever I could squeeze out a little bit of free time. I'd mm-hmm. go out and play and then post, uh, you know, playing college tennis and then going to law school, which took so much time. Um, post that, it was like all of a sudden now I have a bunch of time. What do I want to channel my competitiveness into? So I did bodybuilding. You know, I did that. I recorded it for YouTube a little bit. 
and then decided, wait a second, I've loved golf my whole life, but I haven't really given it a chance. I haven't had time. Now, why don't we go ahead and just go full into this golf space, full into golf social media, YouTube, Instagram, et cetera. And now I've just been having a blast with it. That's fantastic. Some of the, uh, I always like getting people's stories on that because somebody like myself, I grew up playing the game. It's just something that I've always known, played yeah. junior golf and dabbled a little bit in college as much as I could uh, until oh, my awesome. limits. I, I reached my ceiling, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you know, trying to get into the amateur game a little bit here and there, but uh, I just love hearing people's stories and, I think it's really interesting what you said about the competitiveness of it, because not only are you competing against your playing competitors, but more importantly, you're playing against yourself and the golf course. And I feel like right. kind of the older that I get, the more I realize that because when you're playing junior golf in tournaments, you're just like, yeah, like I want to be that guy. Like that guy's my rival, but uh, I don't know. It's always fun trying to get out there and shoot your low round or maybe get a course that you feel like you haven't really been able to get before, you know? Yeah. I mean, for me, it's just been interesting to see um, growing up, like I've always loved golf, even though I didn't really play it that much. I've always loved it. But what's interesting is that at least from my perspective now, I mean, all of my friends from high school that I didn't even know played golf are now golf obsessed. Like, I don't know <laughs> if golf is just having this resurgence and like for some reason now it's like mainstream popular, just the thing to do. I mean, it's always been like kind of seen as a good place to go and network and do business or it's good to know how to golf. But now at least among my friend groups from high school, I mean, like I'm playing in golf trips with people that I didn't really like know that they played golf. And then now that I'm putting out a bunch of golf on social media, like everyone knows like, Oh, I'm, I'm golf obsessed. But my friends are just equally golf obsessed. They're just not posting pictures and videos of it every day. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You're, you're putting yourself out there going for it. And I right. think that's really fantastic and also motivating for maybe some of your buddies. I know it does for some of ours. They're like, man, like, all right, you can get out there. You can play no matter what. I mean, cause we just want to make all fun at the end of the day. Like if, yeah. even if you check our Instagram stories or whatnot, generally you'll hear music blasting in the background or right. we're, ha we're having a few cocktails out there <laughs> on the course too. We just want to make golf fun for everybody. Yeah. No, I think now like there's a lot of good golf content out there too. So Definitely. it's fun to go out and play, but now, you know, with different type of platforms, like, you know, the barstool four play guys, golf has kind of just had this sense of like becoming cool, I guess, in some ways. Um, and so, yeah, just a more relaxed type of vibe is, uh, I think it's attractive to a lot of people. I think, did I see that your tweet got retweeted by the foreplay? Yeah, account? that's right. <laughs> How was that? I was pumped, man. It was crazy. <laughs> like, I, so Twitter, I haven't really been active on Twitter for a while. I kind of just focused, it's tough to kind of be going all in on all the different platforms. You kind of have to pick your poison a little bit because right. it's just such a commitment. So I've kind of just picked Instagram and YouTube and then I've had a Twitter account, but I'm just recently starting to like get a little bit more active. So I, yeah, it was just, um, I posted something, tagged them and then checked it later and it was like 10,000 views. And I was like, Oh, they must've like retweeted it. <laughs> That's so, so um, cool. I, I kind of knew that it was going to do well because I just watched one of their YouTube videos and I had this perfect video that was like a direct shot at something that had happened in their videos of, of one of the guys of their crew. So mm -hmm. I kind of knew like, this is the type of thing that might get like the timeliness of it was really 
the reason that it got retweeted. But yeah, those guys, um, those guys are crazy. Those guys are living life, just making golf content, traveling, talking about golf as their full-time jobs with the backing of Barstool. Like that's crazy. It really is. And to your point, they've been really able to sh- uh, shine light on golf personalities, especially on the PGA tour, like yeah. uh, like a Kevin Gisner. He might be one of the most beloved golfers, <laughs> at least in the social media realm, it seems like. And he already was, but we didn't really know that because we didn't really know Kevin Kisner. So I love what they're doing. They show that these golfers like Kiz, Matthew Fitzpatrick, and all those guys, they have personalities too and are actually probably more down-the-earth guys than I feel like other professional athletes are. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't really think about that. But I guess that the, the foreplay guys are kind of serving as a bridge between the professionals and the amateurs and showing that these professionals – are in many ways not very different from most of us that play golf in terms of the smack talking and, and things like that. Right. Um, they have a lot of personality, but they play as a, as a profession. And so they're used to the cameras on them, the TVs, the no swearing, et cetera. Um, but yet, you know, you get guys like Max Homa and it's like, okay, you know, these guys have a lot of personality. They just haven't had an outlet for it. So foreplay and, you know, obviously with the, the barstool brand just kind of, has pumped those guys into, you know, kind of like social media stardom in some ways in the golf, in the golf world. Right. But yeah, that, it's been fun to kind of watch those guys serve as kind of the middle, middle men between amateurs and then some of those pros that have a lot of personality, but they just haven't really had amateurs that they can kind of, you know, use as an outlet. Definitely. And even picking back off that even more, that's what's so great about social media platforms in general. It's, You don't have to be the controlled cable news where you got to be or abide by FCC guidelines. You can go on a podcast. You can go on, whether it be our podcast, Foreplay or No Laying Up, so many different platforms, or go on YouTube. And uh, one thing I find really fascinating about YouTube golf, at least, is the spectrum of players. There are people that are, you know – some some friends of ours who've been on the podcast, the Bogey Brothers, they are more on the beginner side. But then you got someone yeah. like yourself who's a little bit more experienced on golf. But it all comes together. It's like one big factory family, it seems like, for lack of a better Yeah, term. it is. I mean, that's, that's very true. I mean, everyone has different value that they bring in their videos. So Bogey Brothers, like, super entertaining, and they're getting started in golf. And, you know, they're not bad for getting – just getting started, but it's tough yeah. to compare them to people that grew up playing. And then, you know, you range to the Zach Radfords of the world, the Andrew Jensen's, you know, these guys are borderline like competing in professional tournaments mm-hmm. or in Andrew's case, actually competing in professional tournaments and also making YouTube content. So it's kind of cool just to see that whole range on the spectrum and you can kind of go and watch uh, different channels based on kind of what you're looking for. If you want to see really good golf, you want to see really good entertainment. Some kind of have a little bit of both. So it's pretty cool. Definitely. So Dougie, uh, I commented on one of your videos recently and I thought it was really fascinating. It looked like it was just you on the couch, kind of like you are now and you're talking <laughs> about chasing scratch. And yeah. I kind of want to flesh that idea out a little bit more because I thought it yeah. was really interesting. It's almost like a pattern that I've seen, whether it be on Twitter or on YouTube that there's, people are trying to get the scratch. It's like the Holy grail or I don't even know. It's like the pot at the end of the rainbow where people really go after it. What is it about? Cause I mean, 
I guess humble brag, I'm a, I'm a plus one. So I'm a little bit better than a scratch player. And so what is it about scratch that gets you motivated to go, to keep going out to the course? I think uh, for those of us that are not scratch, which is, you know, I, you know, said most every golfer out there is probably not scratch. It's such a small percentage of golfers that are consistently scratch, Mm -hmm. but I think it's just um, golf is such a hard sport and handicap is our measure of tracking something so that we can have a base level. You know, we can make bets on the course and have fair bets no matter who you're playing against based on this handicap system that I think scratch is just sort of like, uh, golf always just beats us down out there, making bogeys, <laughs> making double bogeys, doing all this stuff. And it's right. like, as you play more, you want to get better. You want to get better. Your handicap lowers. It's like, well, scratch is like the, that's like, as you said, that's like making it as an amateur. I feel like, you know, if I can get to be scratch, I mean, wow. Like, you know, mm-hmm. just in casual conversations with friends, with whatever, you know, if you're like, oh, that guy's a stick, like he's scratch. Like you say that about like someone who's scratch. Um, at, in terms of just like being an impressive, you know, golfer and being able to consistently like shoot par, like that's such a hard thing to do that I think for those of us that are, you know, amateurs, but we also care about like our score and trying to get better. That's what you're working towards. I feel right. like that's kind of the, that's the even point, you know, that's when your handicap goes from pot, you know, a positive number, I guess. Well, to having a plus. So that's like, you know, <laughs> right. you know what I mean? Like yeah. The plus thing is a little, it's a weird. <laughs> yeah, it sure is. But it's, it's always funny to me because whenever it's like, oh, you're a scratch player. But yeah, you know what? There are some days where I don't have it and I'm probably hovering around 80. Like, <laughs> it, I guess it's more of an average thing. And uh, depending right, on. Right. Uh, also, we play a lot of games out there on the course. So it's, at least for us, it's hard to post scores sometimes. Yeah, like yeah. even uh, this last week and we were playing a four team versus a different four team on back to back tee times, but we were doing a shamble. So nice. it's like, so yeah, you don't have your own score, right? Exactly. Even though I know we probably took a decent amount of my shots and some other guys contributed with some birdies. It's kind of hard sometimes to get what exactly you're sh- shooting. Right. Um, right. Or scoring. What's the right term there? I don't know. What's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. golf's weird like that, but yeah, I don't know. I just thought that was really interesting. So you were saying short game or what's, what's that yeah. next hurdle for you? You think? I mean, I you're was about a four or noticing, five right now, right? Yeah. I'm about a four or five and similar to you. It's, it's tough in terms of like reporting every score because some rounds, you know, I might, might be doing a challenge or I'm using one club or something and <laughs> I don't have like, you know, an actual score to post because I'm coming from the content side of it. But uh, I guess I was just thinking about it. Playing with a lot of scratch players is just you see from, you know, 100 yards and in, 50 yards and in, green side and in, that they're just not making mistakes. I mean, like, they're getting really upset if they're not getting up and down. And that, to me, is just, like, very, very interesting to see that level of consistency where it's like, okay, they're green side in a bunker and they hit it to eight feet and they're mad. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, uh, it's just another level of just like predictability, knowing where the ball's going, um, giving putts runs, like actually running the putts past the hole, burning edges, not really hitting putts where, you know, leaving things short or running it five, six feet by. It's just that next level of consistency where it's just as an amateur, you know, who at times, you know, has streaks around playing well and other times like struggling with speed on the greens and stuff, you know, seeing guys that, make the game look so easy and do that, you know, around the short game. For me, that's where I was impressed the most. You know, it's not in necessarily 
hitting the driver. It's not necessarily in the irons per se, you know, scratch guys aren't always hitting darts and, you know, having closed birdie putts. Um, they struggle too sometimes missing greens, missing fairways, et cetera. But it's the short game that holds their score close to par mm-hmm. where the amateurs, that's where it kind of falls. So for me, that's kind of what I was thinking about. If I'm going to try to move from a four handicap to a scratch. Like I have to in- increase my percentage of getting up and down. And that's where like the, the, the butter is made. Right. And to that, and I think I contribute, I think a lot of it does have to do with course management. Because uh, yeah. there are a lot of days, especially since I've started working and been adulting, if you will, it's, it's, a, little <laughs> bit, uh, it's a little bit harder to keep the game sharp, especially around yeah. the greens. So uh, course management, I think, is a big one. Whether it be something as simple as teeing off on the right or left side of a tee box, maybe you have a little bit better angle to the fairway. Or really a big thing to the short game is not short-siding yourself. Like if there's a pin to the right that's five feet off the green, you don't want to miss right. You want to miss left so that why give yourself an impossible flop shot when you can just hit a good, easy bump and run if you're on the – so it's all about where your misses are because I say golf is a game of misses. Yeah. So I I just think that's that's true. I think that's true too. Yeah, I think course management. I think there's a lot of factors there. But, um, yeah, it's just as an amateur – it's fun to play with guys who are shooting par. Like it, it kind of elevates your level. If you're playing with other guys who are a little bit better than you, or you get, you have a chance to play with someone who's scratch just to kind of witness kind of how they're thinking through things. Like you're saying the decisions that they're making playing away from hazards, just those small little things um, add up. And then you get to the end of the round and you, you know, you're paying out the money. It's like, there's a reason why I <laughs> scratch. I mean, he's, he's getting money every weekend. Right. When you're getting cleaned out every week, that will motivate you to get a little better. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Man. So you've been on YouTube now for about a year and a half, you mentioned. So or about, uh, the golf about a year? YouTube was about a year. It's coming up on a year in July would be for the golf YouTube. All right. And yeah. I would say I do love your channel. I love the, the spectrum of your channel because uh, whether it be like a golf highlights or if you just like the video we were just referring to, just sharing your thoughts. I think that's all great. Uh, what direction do you think golf on YouTube, social media is going to go in the next probably year or two years? Yeah. I mean, I've noticed just in the 10 months that I've had a golf YouTube channel, it seems that more people are entering the space. You know, there's not a ton of barriers for entry. Uh, similar to, you know, podcasts per se, you know, you can use your phone, you know, and just turn on the camera while you're on the course. Right. And then later, you know, chop it up into, you know, use iMovie on your phone for free and then upload it to YouTube. <laughs> so there's not a ton of barriers for entry. And I see, I think more people are trying to get into the space, which is really cool to see. And then, you know, once you have a channel up and running, it's kind of a matter of just finding your own style and it's, it's endless. I mean, the, the creation process on YouTube, there's so many different ways that you can customize your videos, make it different, make it stand out using shot tracer, the format, the editing, the music, like it's such a kind of creative process that uh, it doesn't really kind of get old. You're always trying to change your content, evolve your content, and then kind of find like your, your channel's voice. And I think there's a lot of bigger, there's a lot of bigger YouTube channels that are just pumping out, you know, they're kind of content factories. Someone's in a simulator, maybe they're a teaching pro and they just have access to a bunch of new clubs, equipment, 
And, you know, that's great because, you know, a lot of the general public cares about the new equipment, how it performs, and the stats and the numbers. But for many of us average Joes out here that aren't working in the golf industry, we don't have access to that. So our content won't be the newest club reviews and things like that. It'll just be more of, you know, hanging out with the guys, going out to play and bringing the camera along. So I think that's kind of where a lot of golf YouTube content right now is just course vlogs, playing with people. And it's a very simple community. Right. It is. And as I mentioned about the community, I'm finding out a little bit more. It's very encouraging, very welcoming as well, because I think that's kind of the golf mentality in general is even if you're playing and whether it be amateur golf now for us or junior golf growing up, even the professionals, you see a lot of them are friends. They travel together. They hang out together. Do you want the best for them? But also that kind of drives you a little bit to be like, hey, that guy's doing really well. That motivates me to do better. The, the competition factor a little bit. I think that's yeah. great. No, yeah. I think it's friendly, um, competitive in the sense of, you know, I've had a chance to collab with the Bogey Brothers. Mm-hmm. And it's friendly, but you're also trying to beat them when you're out there playing. <laughs> so, <Right. laughs> so, like, it's, it's definitely friendly. And a lot of us kind of talk kind of regularly mm-hmm. and watch each other's videos and it, it kind of feels like for, for some of us that haven't been able to play in person with each other, you know, by watching each other's content, you feel like you're there in the round. You feel like you're there watching. Right. So it's, it was cool for me to kind of go out and meet those guys. And then recently there's two other YouTubers here in Atlanta, a great Cortman golf and chili dip golf that I went and met up with. And, you know, when you see these guys, it's, you feel like, you know, that I think that's just the cool thing about social media is mm-hmm. by following their content, you feel like you kind of know them before you actually get the chance to, you know, meet and tee it up and stuff. So uh, it's a very, yeah, like you said, it's, it's a very friendly space. And I'm actually planning an event at the end of October called the Creators Cup, where I'm inviting different content creators, um, some YouTubers, some Instagram people, just to meet up in Alabama. Um, I got a couple houses booked for a weekend just to play and record content because I'm trying to make the space even smaller. You know, it was tough for me to get out to California, play with the Bogey brothers. And it's tough to do that on an individual basis with basis with creators. But if there's, you know, a weekend that I could dedicate and say, Hey, anybody who's trying to create a lot of content, collaborate, you know, let's just pick a weekend in Alabama and play a bunch of golf at the Robert Trent Jones trail and, you know, see who wants to come out for it. Oh, I've heard nothing but great things about Robert Trent Jones. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, that's I've never played in Alabama. Now I'm thinking about it. I've played a really? little college event in Mississippi. Okay. Um, yeah, just for like a little bit of my journey, I guess. Started off playing college golf, but then played club golf, and I loved right. club golf in college. That was a blast. Uh, was able to still travel a little bit, get itch the competitive scratch a little bit. So was that the same school, or did you change schools? Yeah, it was the same school. It was at Baylor. Nice, so that's where nice. I went. Um, here in Texas, at least, it's a little bit easier to get because we're like right in the middle. It's easy to get uh, to one side of the coast and also the other. Going from Atlanta to L.A., that's a beast. Beast of a trip. Uh, yeah, it was a cross-country flight, you know, a wow. weekend. I had like a four-day weekend. And I wanted to go out to California, so kind of just planned to go out there and then try to reach out to people on social media. I mean, there was mm-hmm. someone at TaylorMade that I was trying to link up with and, you know, the guy was like, Oh, you know, this might work, but actually I'm going in to shoot 
you know, Jason Day and Rory, so that's not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, yeah. Yeah, I can't flex. believe I can't believe you stood me up. I mean, <laughs> right. gosh, you didn't want to come out and meet me to play nine holes at a, at a Muni course? Come on. Like, uh, but that's a really cool stretch of the golf space between San Diego and L.A. You got that whole area, Carlsbad. You got mm. Callaway, TaylorMade. And then just even on Instagram, I mean, so many people that you might, you know, are just household names. That's where they're based. That, you know, they have a company out there. They're working with one of the big golf companies. Between that little, you know, two-hour drive, there's just so much golf to kind of soak in that I felt like going for a three, four-day weekend was great. But, like, you know. Almost, almost had a chance, enough, to, right? Yeah, almost had a chance to tee it up with uh, Patrick Koenig and, like, didn't work out because scheduling. So I, I kind of feel like I would need to go back there again plan it out more intentionally further out in advance to try to like hit up as many people as you could because that's just a loaded part of the country golf wise. Right. So you mentioned a couple of channels earlier as well, at least in the Atlanta area. What are some of your other favorite channels that you like to check out on a regular basis? I mean, there's just so many. I I think lately I've been watching more of the small YouTube community space. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Dave four to four golf, uh, Frederick, a golfer's walk. There's this, hilarious guy the hairy golfer um yeah he's a trip, <laughs> he's <laughs> a <little> trip <laughs> yeah he's a trip oh my god he's a total trip man he just sits <laughs> back you know pours a drink and just starts ranting in his backyard about the lockdown and just like super interesting stuff oh man so That's no i mean it's a it's a pretty like loaded space and um you know it, it's tough because as, as there are more creators, you know, you can't have time to watch everything. So, you know, I try to, I try to stay up to date as much as I can. You know, I, I enjoy, I mentioned earlier, I enjoy watching Zach Radford, Andrew Jensen, you know, GM golf. Those guys are just awesome, awesome entertainment, but it's tough, you know, to be watching all that content. So you kind of have to just, you know, pick and choose kind of who you're going to be, you know, watching and, and backing and kind of flip through the videos. And I think that that's kind of, a uh, cool thing about YouTube is just from the creator side, I'm trying to put out um, videos that people would want to click on and watch. And then also from the consumer side of just watching YouTube, I'm clicking on videos that kind of catch my attention. You know, something that looked controversial, right. interesting, something happened in a match or whatever. Then I'm clicking on that video versus the other five that are in my watch later, you know, playlist that I might not get to this week. So it's mm-hmm. kind of a matter of like, you know, it just goes back to putting out interesting type of content, how you do your thumbnail, you know, all that stuff kind of does matter. Right. It sure does. And I wish we had started this YouTube channel about a year ago because still a quick story. Uh, I do the podcast with two other people, hence three under par and also three under par 69. So we (laughs) (laughs) generally, and one of the guys, one of our guys, Kyle, he broke his ankle. uh, And, but he was still playing golf in a hard cast and an ankle well, well wow. when his ankle was broken and he was still shooting like 75, 76. Like it was what? wild. Yeah. Playing. That's we insane. didn't make him play all the way back with us. We made him play one tee up on the white tees at least. So, and he goes out and plays Thomas, our other co-host and Thomas lost. So he had to play a golf in a dress round. We call it the dress round. He had to play a full round of golf in a dress and on the golf course and sure enough he did he played a full round of golf in a dress it was phenomenal and he shot 71 it was wild (laughs) i mean did he get reactions out there on the course 
little bit. The course was a little empty because it was a threat of rain. Okay. So it scared some people away that day. But yeah, we were just like, what is going on? Absolutely was, absurd. Yeah. So maybe those are, maybe it sounds like we need to do another dress round. Throw it up on YouTube. I mean, I think, yeah, something like that on YouTube would be hilarious. <laughs> I mean, usually people are betting in the videos that I watch, people are betting like five, 10 pushups. Like, you know, that's kind of a standard type of bet. But like something like that, like public humiliation. Now you're talking about pretty good YouTube content. So you might need right. to branch out the YouTube content a little bit. For sure. Yeah, that, that's kind of the plan, uh, at least for us, uh, at least with my regular job. Unfortunately, been on furlough, hopefully going back. Okay. So at least that's one of our goals uh, is to put out more YouTube content as well as our podcast. I think I, we kind of like yeah. the we, we like filming it and just throwing it up there just to help spread the word. But uh, so that's at least affecting us. Is, have you seen a big change with the coronavirus going on in your part of the of country? In uh, I mean, golf so, is kind of actually, if anything, it's busier now than it would be typically. Oh, I could not agree more. Is that the same for you? Yes. One of my buddies, who's a mini tour player, he can't play right now. He can't travel. He had a status up in Canada, but oh. – the Canadian tour there said, you know, the border's closed right now, at least at the time of this yeah. recording. So he's, he's working in the pro shop and he was saying they've had like 200 something rounds a day, which is just Jeez. off the charts. That's booked from like 7am to 6pm every single day. I mean, it's, it's wild. Like it's kind of crazy. Cause I, I expected when this whole thing started that golf courses would be a little bit slower they're getting hit. There's all these regulations about, Oh, you know, I, I played a course this weekend with the cups totally raised on like the full 18 hole course. Mm-hmm. So you'd think that people that would stop some people from wanting to go out and pay $70 to play. You're not even putting the ball in a hole. <laughs> no, sure enough. I mean, like it is absolutely decked packed. And, uh, I think, yeah, just because so many other things are closed, like golf is one of the few things outdoors you can go and do. And so yes. even people that aren't really golfers, you know, people that like wouldn't be playing golf otherwise, now that everyone's playing, uh, the courses are just smashing it here. And I mean, some of them have shut down uh, or were shut down temporarily as they figured out what to do with the coronavirus and how to make it safe for everyone playing. Mm-hmm. But now I think all courses are up and running and just absolutely decked. And so it's kind of tough here. Like if I'm looking and, you know, trying to figure out when I can play based on my schedule, a lot of times it might be last minute for me. Like, oh, I can go out and play nine at night or something. But you're, you're out of luck. I mean, like you go on golf now and it's like, okay, maybe there's some par three course that's 35 miles away. that's pretty <laughs> shaggy. And like, that's kind of your only option. So, you know, I'll go and hit balls at the range or something. But like in the weekend tea times, you got to plan like a weekend ahead, especially if you're going morning. You want like a morning tea time on a weekend. I mean, like, it is just like, you know, you're getting like four o'clock is the first tee time in a lot of good courses around here on Saturday and Sunday. So yeah, it's, uh, it's been pretty crazy to see. And that's, that's kind of made it a little bit challenging to get out and play. And then also to get out and play and make videos too. Right. What are some of your favorite courses in Atlanta? Ooh, I mean, the private courses are pretty loaded. So um, East Lake is probably right up there with the top course that I've played in the area. The tour um, championship, right? Exactly. Yeah, yep. exactly. They host the tour championship. That's right. Um, and of course, the the one year that I decided not to go was on Tiger One. So go figure. No. No. <laughs> go figure. Oh, I'm like, you know gosh. what? I've been to this. I've seen it a few times. It's always like 80 
88 degrees and it's just like tough to just walk around all day right fight for views and stuff like it's not you know like watching on tv you're not really catching that much action on the course so of course i decide you know let's take a take a year off and the tiger goes and does that i'm just like oh i was just like 10 miles away just like oh how did i not like (laughs) how was i not there on 18 green like it's just such an iconic moment right oh that was insane i was fortunate to go when jordan spieth won nice east lake that was really cool yeah yeah at the time i was working for the pj tour in ponte vedra so we just drove up to atlanta real quick um the only course i played in the area which is tpc sugarloaf that course is money i love that course yes is it really okay is that the course uh, which which plan i don't think it's kutcher Stuart Sink. I mean, there's, I think there's some playing professionals that might be members out there. I've heard some good things about that course. Okay. They used to have an event up there, a PJ tour event. I think. Oh really? Yeah. I can't remember if it was PJ tour or champions tour, but they used to play something up there and yeah, it was just, so you know, I, I'm in Houston. Yeah. It's so flat down here. And so yeah. if ever I can get up to like a, any, like a hill country, even in Austin or, uh, one thing I loved about Sugarloaf was the hills, just like nice. having the elevated shots. And when I, I don't get that down here, it's very hot. It's very humid, very flat. So whenever I can mix it up like that, it's always like, I kind of feel giddy a little bit. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, so I'm not from Georgia. So when I first moved down here from Indiana, like such a flat state, like mm. Indiana, I mean, the golf is, is, is fine. But now that I'm kind of like more into golf, like when you're just like, spending time scrolling on social media, like you're on Instagram, you're seeing pictures of pasta tiempo and like all of these like crazy courses all day. Like it kind of just opens your mind as to like what golf can be outside of your own little box. Yeah. And so kind of like living in that space makes you then like appreciate having access to nice courses and it kind of raises your bar for like what's possible in a golf course. Um, so like when I moved down to Georgia, just like the towering trees, the pine trees, the pine mm. straw, like everything kind of about, like you said, so the, cool. a little bit of the rolling hills. And I've seen that in Alabama too. Um, Cause I've driven over and played, you know, Purcell farms and I've played at Robert Trenchon's trail course over there. And like, I posted a video actually on, on TikTok of me hitting this tee shot on a hole out in Alabama at a course called Ross bridge. And I was like, I might've asked like, where is this course or just some kind of question and sure enough, like people were saying like number 10 at Augusta, number 10 at Augusta. That's how beautiful what? like this. Yeah. Like that's how beautiful the backdrop was. Yeah. That people like legitimately thought that I was playing at Augusta because Alabama, wow. I mean like Alabama is, man, like those courses are huge elevation change. They're so green. Like everything's pristine. This was a public course too. Like, I, you know, actually paid like 75 bucks to play this course. And so, like, just seeing like that, it just makes me appreciative of being in Georgia, having access, like, within two-hour drive to a lot of courses in Alabama. So whenever I can, like, I try to drive around and explore what's available out there. I'm kind of the guy that just likes to, you know, change it up, see new courses, see new places. And then as far as, like, the private courses in Atlanta, there are so many great ones. Mm-hmm. But it just, from my perspective, it doesn't, like, fit what I'm looking for right now. And also, traffic is just, I don't know if Houston's the same way but like traffic is a real thing like it just if you're like if you're working in town and the best private courses are in suburbs about 35 minutes out it, it with rush hour it's an hour so it's just sort of like 
do I really want to be paying this type of money if I'm going to get there maybe just on the weekends? And then I don't know, like I would love to live close to a course and be able to go play all the time, use the practice facilities like private would be awesome. But in Atlanta, it's really tough because like I said, like the best courses are usually a good, you know, hour plus in rush hour traffic to get to. Right. Yeah. I would say uh, Houston, the best courses are more probably in the suburbs. Uh, for example, champions, uh, Jackie Burke jr. Still runs that club. Uh, Jackie Burke jr. Is the oldest living masters champion. The guy nice. is a hard nosed son of a bitch and he's wow. just, he's probably like 94 years old and still runs his club. And, He's out there every single day. Uh, they're hosting the U.S. Women's Open. Uh, got moved to December during this whole, th- okay. whole thing. Okay, okay. So incredible. that's pretty cool. Um, but most professional golfers, at least in this area, probably are in the Dow DFW area. There's been a okay. few here in Houston. Gotcha. I guess we have to claim Patrick Reed if we, oh, no. if we have to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, more Chris Stroud. We had Chris Stroud on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. So that was oh, nice. Yeah. We'll, we'll take Chris Stroud, but yeah, most of the clubs actually in Houston city limits are very old, very expensive, like really hard to get into. Um, more in the suburbs are your affordable country clubs, but it's, it's hard to get a, even public courses here in town. You got to drive 45 minutes or oh, 30 tough. minutes just to go to pay $90 for a nice public course or something like that. It's wild. Right. Right. No, I feel you. Like it's the public private type thing is tough. And then in these big cities where traffic can just get hot and heavy around rush hour. I mean, it's sort of like, dang, like, Oh, I mean, I could move out next to a golf course, but then I'm sucking it up for a commute every day. That's just terrible. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. Like kind of pick your poison. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. I wanted to ask you though, um, earlier you were talking about, um, kind of like the direction of my channel. But as far as the podcast, I, I heard on, on the last episode, I believe it was, where you were talking about potentially applying for media passes and, you know, going to a professional tournament. Where do you yes. kind of see the direction of, of the pod? Yeah, the direction of the pod. I was thinking a lot about that today, actually. Because uh, we started this podcast really just for fun. It was yeah. all three of us grew up playing junior golf together. Uh Thomas and Kyle went to Zem High School. I went to a different one, but we all had the same teachers, so that's how we got connected. And we all went away after college, but we happened to move back to Houston at the same time. Uh, So I I feel like, at least for us, we're kind of at the crossroads. Like, all right, we want to keep doing it, take it more seriously, dive a little more into it, or kind of take a step back. And we want to take a dive deeper into it. We want to keep creating golf content terms of the direction of the pod, uh, some some people that I really look up to are the foreplay guys yeah. and also probably No Laying Up is the other. Yeah, they're awesome. They, they really were kind of my inspiration to get this thing going. I was like, yeah. man, they just seem like they have a lot of fun commentating on golf, uh, just making golf more relatable, I think is a good word. Yeah, for sure. For so that's kind of – the direction I think of where we're going to go. We're going to try to get really good guests, uh, people like yourself, whether it be on more YouTube golf or professional golfers. That's kind of the direction I think yeah. we want to go in and just really tell people no matter what your skill level is, if you're scratch players or if you're beginners, 
there's always, you can always get better, but just have fun out there. Just go play, get out there and play. And at least on the YouTube side of things, I don't know what we're going to do. I got some ideas. That's a good question. Yeah. I got some ideas. Like me and Kyle, we played in the South Texas four ball, uh, through the Texas golf association. So I took some videos. That's a little bit more of like formal competition. Right. Right even though it is a four ball event, So it's a little more laid back, but you know, kind of doing like a recap of that. That was a few months ago, but got the time now to put that together or even just matches like us, as you mentioned, the dress round, you know, do some outrageous bets and put it up on YouTube. I think that might be the direction that we go with. So, yeah. I mean, I think it's, you kind of have to just decide what angle you're going and, and kind of go hard in that direction. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen, you know, golficity for an example. Are you familiar with golficity guys? Yes. Mm-hmm. So yeah, those guys, I believe they started out with the pod and then after I want to say like hundred episodes, that could be totally wrong. They were just like, Hey, why don't we just kind of also be active on YouTube? We're, we're trying to post our videos of our podcast on YouTube, but why don't we create original content as well? Cause now we're getting opportunities to meet cool people in the golf space to travel or whatever, to see nice courses. And so it kind of goes together. Um, Like the podcast can become over time, a YouTube channel um, with no laying up. I'm not sure exactly how they started out, but uh, like I think of them now equally as a YouTube channel, as I do a pod because of some of the incredible travel series trips and all this stuff that they're putting out with cool drone footage. And I mean, professionally produced content. Right. Um, but it might've just started from just having a conversation as friends talking about golf, bringing on people and then just kind of just consistency, at least with YouTube, it's consistency. It's like, mm-hmm. you can't give up. Like it's a matter of just like being stubborn in some sense of just knowing like it's going to take a lot of uploads. It's going to take a lot of uploads to get access to certain type of opportunities or guests that can elevate the channel. And it's a matter of staying around until that timing hits and then all of a sudden things can change and it's like sticking around being patient enough um, and just being okay with the process and not expecting to just overnight, you know, be, be invited to go and, you know, travel to Scotland and stuff like it, it just doesn't happen quickly. Um, but it's right. a matter of just like enjoying the process and then not giving up. I totally agree. I love what no laying up has done with the strap series. Oh, the, it's so good. So creative, professionally produced. Uh, I actually, so DJ Piowski, uh, I had a few run-ins with him no way. back down in Ponte Vedra, um, no before he started working for no laying up. Yeah. The, okay. uh, I mean, he would probably have no idea who I am or not, not remember me, but, uh, cause I worked in inside sales as the lowly inside sales rep and the media department was right next to us. So we would oh, always no interact with a few of those guys like Brian Wacker and DJ Piowski and a few other you Did you go play Sawgrass while you're down there? Yes. I've gotten to play that course sick? a few times. That <laughs> course, it might be like one of the hardest courses I've ever played. Really? It's so cool. Oh, yes. It's just a dream course. It really is. And 16, 17, and 18, live. It's, it lives up to the hype. Because <laughs> it's like, it's, I haven't, I've played it once since they redid it. Okay. And it's probably what 500 bucks now to play or it's, yeah, it's so, probably. so expensive. And the course really beats you up up until that point. It's very difficult. And I don't know if it's a $500 course, but then you get to the Island green. Oof. You're like, 
okay, like I see wow. it now. <laughs> uh, but yeah, to your point about the consistency, I couldn't agree more. I really do. It's definitely motivating for us, especially sometimes when we see channels that are like, oh, we've been posting videos for YouTube for three years and we just yeah. now hit that 1,000 subscriber mark or we just right. now exploded. And so it's that's definitely motivating for me. It's like, hey, look, just make this part of your habit, your routine. And Exactly. Because you never know when that match is going to strike. And when the iron strikes, you want, the, you want it to be hot. Plus, so I mean, it, it seems like you guys are all really good golfers too. So it's like you can relate to, you know, the guys that are just out there uh, talking a bunch of crap with the friends and, you know, drinking and having fun. But mm -hmm. like you also, if you needed to turn the switch and, you know, produce some really good golf, some nice shots, like you have that capability as well. So having, you know, having that potential, <laughs> it's not like, you know, if you guys were all, you know, 10 to 15 handicaps, that would be fine. But it's like, oh, if you eventually wanted to kind of branch into some YouTube content, like being able to, to like play good golf, it's, it's just more attractive to watch on YouTube. So it's nice to know that you guys have that, um, you know, in the, t in, the, in the toolkit, if you need to pull it out. Definitely. Yeah, that's, that's probably more of a, an advantage that we have that we haven't really used <laughs> yet. It, it's still one of our bows in our quiver if we need to on that. But yeah, it's really interesting. I don't know what the future holds for our channel. Uh, I'm really, I'm excited about it though. Um, especially getting the no golfers like yourself. Like I love the idea of going to Alabama, doing some collab oh, yeah. thing. And I mean, if ever you got that weekend set, like let us know so we can. For sure. I definitely will reach out. No if doubt. the other if the other guys can't make it, maybe I can make it, and or something. We'll we'll send a rep. I don't know, but <laughs> absolutely no. It's, yeah, I mean that's a good thing about this space is like people are in it that kind of together, and genuinely like if you're in the in the golf space, you're making a bunch of content. It's because like you love the game, and like most people that love the game, um, and also know how to have fun, not take it too seriously. Sometimes like it's the same. You know, you're kind of it's self selection a little bit. Like you're making a golf podcast. Well, like, you know, this other person that's making golf YouTube videos, like it's going to be fun to kind of get together and talk about golf, make good content and stuff. Like it's bringing together a lot of people who would otherwise really enjoy hanging out. Right. And one thing that I realized recently, there's, there are so many golf content creators, whether it be on a podcast side or on a YouTube side. Uh, one thing that's great about foreplay and no laying up is that they've, that I think players are more relaxed and willing to go on podcasts yeah, now. That's true. That's true. Than they were in the future, but also it's kind of hard to develop those relationships because once, like a Kevin Kisner, like he'll probably only go on foreplay, and yeah. why wouldn't he? They've treated him great, and he treats them great. They have a really phenomenal relationship. So it's like players are willing to come on, but which ones are you? I don't know. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, you kind of just kind of start where you're at. Uh, I'm good friends with Dan from leave the pen podcast. And like, yeah. he, he was talking on a recent podcast with, I believe he was talking to Andy Johnson from, from the fried egg. Fried egg. Uh, yeah. Oh, they're great too. Oof, incredible golf content. But yes. uh, Dan was just saying like when he first started out his pod, it was just sort of, you know, you start with where you're at and you talk to whoever you can talk to. And then through, you know, what we talked about over time, is just sort of you kind of level up your game as you go along, as you stick stick around, as you make sure, you know, you're nailing, you, you know, you have to dot your I's and cross your T's in terms of making sure like the quality is good and you keep 
learning and growing in the process of it. But then mm-hmm. it just kind of scales up a little bit. And the thing about golf content space is like, once you get to a certain level, I don't know what that is. It probably varies depending on the platform. Like if you can break through a certain level, it's like you're rolling downhill. Like, you know, you're putting in so much yes. work to get to a point of visibility. And then once you reach a certain level, it's just sort of like, oh, now it's easy. Like now I can, you know, talk to so-and-so. Now I can make a video at this place. And now that I can do that, it's going to in turn lead to more downloads, subscribes, whatever, which mm-hmm. then opens the door for more opportunities. So it's just a matter of kind of like sticking with it. And then, you know, like we talked about, like waiting until that time comes. And then, you know, hopefully at that point, it's just sort of like the hard work pays off. It's not like you stop working hard, but it's like, oh, now I don't have to try so hard. It's like, you know, I can just have fun. And Work the smarter, not harder. Yeah, exactly. Work smarter, not harder. The access to better opportunities is there, which then mm-hmm. elevates the brand and the visibility. And then it just, it's like a cycle. It's like a crazy cycle that you see. Right. Was it weird? You used to mention whenever you play, like you just got the camera rolling. Is it just your iPhone that you're using? Yeah, right now. So I have an it's iPhone 11 Pro. Okay. So I upgraded from an iPhone 8. So now I have an 8 and I kept my old iPhone and an 11. So okay. I can shoot the double camera angles if I need to. And then I do all my editing. Like having everything on the phone just makes it easy. I post on Instagram, Twitter, you know, TikTok, whatever. Um, So that's where I am right now. And I know a lot of people are upgrading and getting drones and such and such crazy expensive (laughs) cannons and things. And I'm like, I need to kind of like work through where I'm at now before trying to like invest into something bigger. Uh, Hopefully at some point, you know, I would, you know, try to scale up and add to the arsenal of equipment, but it's like all in a matter of time. Is it weird you mentioned that you're just always filming because you never know when somebody's going to hold out, capture a moment. Is it, was it weird at first getting in the habit of always trying to film shots or other people's shots? Yeah. I mean, I think so. I've always kind of enjoyed like capturing moments, like just videography generally. Like, so even before I had a social media channel to post content to, I would still, when I'm out with my buddies, like, pull out Snapchat and try to get a video of them teeing off and like hope to catch something funny or something. Right. So I was still kind of like thinking about that um, even before I had the page, which made sense that I started the page then because I kind of have an eye for it or like an enjoyment of doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, obviously it's a balance. Like it's not always easy. You have to keep pace of play. Um, I played in a couple um, like quasi tournaments, like they're like amateur tournaments. Okay. Um, and so I'll be balancing like, we're we're competing in a two-man event and we're playing alternate shot or something and like no every shot counts and then dougie's there like tinkering with the tripod and like getting all the angles right like (laughs) (laughs) like trying to do that while like you know like people are like it's actually like a stroke play tournament it's like a little bit of a tricky back and forth teeter-totter and there's no perfect way to balance that you just have to be as quick as you can recording the content and be respectful and courteous and just know that sometimes you got to put the camera away and just play. But yeah. I enjoy like having the camera out generally because it just gives you more options later. You're scrolling through your phone and it's like, boom, you know, there's a gold video that I could post on Twitter. Definitely. Dougie, this has been awesome. This has really been a lot of fun. You're halfway to that magical thousand subscriber mark or pretty close to it. It seems like, and in about a year, that's fantastic. And I think you're going to hit it soon. I really good for our listenership. Go on YouTube, go check out Dougie's channel. 
it's a lot of fun. It really is. Some rapid questions, some rapid fire questions, yeah, though, and then me. we'll get out of here. Hit me. Favorite, what's your favorite club in the bag? Say my lob wedge. Lob wedge. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. I don't hear many oh, yeah. of the lob wedge. That's like oh, yeah. almost public enemy number one for some people, especially for Frankie Borelli <laughs> over at Four Play, sounds like. Exactly. So. <laughs> Butter knife. No, I like to catch a nippy and spin it back. It's fun. Okay. Uh, what kind of golf balls do you use? Uh, I'd say a mixed bag, man. Like I'm playing a Bridgestone okay. on one hole, a Nike on the next, a Titleist, and then a Strixon that I found. So I don't really, I don't really have one ball, kind of just a mixed bag. Okay. Favorite course that you've ever played? Mm, I'd say East Lake. We talked about it. It's just East Lake. absolutely incredible. Man, that place is pretty special, huh? Just oh, incredible with oh, the my Bobby Jones history. So I recently read real quick the uh, Mark Frost. Bobby Jones book. Oh, wow. And that was phenomenal. The same guy who wrote great, the uh, greatest game ever played. Okay. And it just talks about, cause there's a lot of East Lake history in there about, cause that's where he learned to play and whatnot. So yeah. uh, if you got some time, I would definitely recommend to anybody. Okay. To no, read I love that. That I mean, one. Bobby Jones is incredible. Yes. Gosh. So underrated. I think. Uh, so, favorite course that you would like to play next? Like if you can play right. one course, what's Oof. that one course? I mean, right now, top of mind is Arcadia Bluffs. Okay. Where's that at? Yeah. That's in Michigan. So it's on nice. Lake Michigan. And it's, I think it's probably like a top 30 to top 50 course nationally. And for me, just being from Indiana, I actually have a lake house in Michigan that I've been to. So I've driven kind of past or, or near where the course is. Um, and then now that I'm okay. like into golf, it's just sort of like, oh my gosh, like I got to make a trip there. I, I love Michigan. I like Michigan. Michigan. Okay. Uh, do you have any superstitions on the course? Honestly, um, because I record a lot of content, I, I watch it. And so I pick up on some of my idiosyncrasies. It's kind of weird to see. Mm -hmm. Um, but I actually like, before I hit the ball, I do like a squeezing of the grip. <laughs> sounds kind of crazy, but like, like, you know, like, like you hold the club right here. Like everyone has a, a cue to start the swing. And I guess mine, it's like, it's a re-grip. So I'm, I'm ready to swing. And then all of a sudden I like, I loosen and tighten and then I go, I don't know why I do it. I don't think about it, but it just happens. Well, that's better than the Matthew Wolf trigger that is out there before he goes. <laughs> that's true. It's better than that. <laughs> exactly. So who wins the match this weekend? Tiger or Phil? Uh, Tiger and Peyton. Tiger and Peyton, I'm, yeah. Uh, I'm from Indianapolis, so I'm, I'm team Peyton. The sheriff all day and then between tiger and phil you can't go wrong but i'm i've always been a tiger guy so for me it's just like easy it, like they they made it easy for me tiger and peyton all right awesome dougie this has been a blast it really has where can our audience follow you on youtube social media platforms where can they keep up with your golf content yeah so thanks so much for having having me on this has been a blast you can follow me on youtube at dougie barnard Instagram at Dougie Barnard. I also run a separate account called the golf clan, more of a community based vibe, um, Twitter at Dougie Barnard as well. So yeah, I would love to connect with you on any of those platforms. Fantastic. Dougie, I would say you're probably really the first YouTube golfer that has reached out to us outside of the bogey brothers. They, they reach out to us and you're, we're right there. And so, uh, thank you for making us feel welcome to the uh, online oh, sure. golf community and, uh, 
man, I'm excited to see where both our channels go, yeah. uh, YouTube, podcast, anything in between. So the, I think the future is looking good. I think it'd be fun for me to be able to record a video with, you know, you on the golf course. I mean, plus one, like that'd be some really good golf right there. <laughs> yeah. You know, we could figure it out. I might yeah. need to practice a little bit. Uh, you know, no the expectations, drive, no pressure. The, so yeah, me and Kyle, were both about a plus one. Thomas, the other host, he's probably about a three or four handicap. Solid golf. And uh, me and Kyle, we, we like to play a lot of four, four man scramble teams together. That's we have fun. a group that we usually do, and it's because, like, we both drive the ball pretty good, but he's a way better iron player than I am, and I'm a way better putter than he is. So I feel wow. like our games kind of complement a little bit. Yeah, if, like, if I – I don't hit many greens. It's all about the short game for me. <laughs> and Kyle's always like, hey, I need to hit as close as I can because he can't really make putts too often. So so you're dangerous in a scramble is what you're saying. We've been known to <laughs> shoot some pretty – oh, gosh, well – we generally win some if people don't pencil whip us. Oh, that's, that's the that's, worst. That's been a problem recently. That's that actually kind of gotten under my skin. Yeah, like some guys said they shot 48 on a four-man scramble. 48 straight up. Are you kidding me? Like that doesn't make sense. That's that, impossible. That's impossible. One guy said he got a hole-in-one, but that hole-in-one was – that hole was playing like 225 into the wind. Like, come on, get out of here. Get out of here. I get worked up when I think about it. Yeah, that's but. not right. That does, that's not even uh, – got to be upset about that. Something funny is going on. Yeah, but uh, I got to sharpen my game up a little bit. It, it's Because if you ask me to hit a fade, it doesn't fade most of the time right now. So we got to work on that. But, yeah, let us know about, uh, about, about Alabama. That sounds like Absolutely. Fun. Thank you so much for your time. This has been awesome. Hey, thanks, Doug. I appreciate it. All right. See you.